I know I'm posting this later than expected, so thanks for waiting. Yes, the AFL Obsessed Broadway show went dark for a week, so thanks for your patience. I know it's taken me a minute to get you some content. I'm actually in complete moving mode right now, so I've just been alternately packing and working. And I think I mentioned that Andrew and I were supposed to move apartments at the end of March, April, just before the pandemic shut the city down and there were restrictions on our building with move outs. So we had to get an extension on the lease. So between that and the scaffolding that they've been building to work on the facade of our building that I told you about, it feels like a frenzy over here and not enough footy because I'm deadlining just FYI this week and the next few there will be one episode a week. I'll be releasing time on stories also. I promise to go back to normal pod programming as soon as we're settled but I'm still here for you and Victorians especially if you need someone to talk to or process anything about lockdown because I know all about that and I know how tough it is. I feel for you. You got this. And it's crazy to think that Andrew and I haven't seen any of our friends or family for five months now, and that's a long time to just be isolating with one other person, like unintentionally hard-tagging each other. I'll have to get him on here eventually, but I'm sure he appreciates some time away from me. We'll have to share his side of the obsession at some point, though, if you guys are into it. My email is aflfootyobsessed at gmail and aflobsessed on Twitter if you want to drop me a line or share any thoughts this week. So the AFL has stated that due to the escalating complexity of the fixture, they'll be revealing week by week going forward instead of blocks of rounds beyond week 12. And the rolling weekly determinations will just also help the league respond to changes by state governments on border controls. And a few clubs will be headed to the Northern Territory in round 13. The annual Dreamtime game between Essendon and Richmond will be played there for the first time, which is actually amazing if you think about it. I know it's Dreamtime at the G and we all love that, but I think it's great that they're playing the game there and maybe they should consider it in future. And the Suns versus Carlton game will also be in the Northern Territory. So let's get to it and dive into the opening overture of my overall thoughts on the last week and where NYC is now. (laughs) But first, I just have to tell you a little story. So our friends had a baby recently, and because there wasn't a baby shower beyond a virtual one, we ordered different items off the registry and then had them delivered from different places. And I know showers are more... American than Australian baby showers are, but then sidebar. So we needed more moving bins. Like our place is full of the plastic storage bins right now that you see for moving. So I ordered more from Target and I got the notification for delivery a few days later, but we didn't have any boxes. So I looked up the order and why did I have the bins delivered to our friends? I mean, luckily they live in Brooklyn and not like in California, but we then had to go to Brooklyn and personally pick up these two huge boxes just to get them back here. I mean, I swear, if that's not indicative of how 2020 has been since March for us, like I'm just making more work for myself than really needs to be. I think the funniest part was that our friends were trying to figure out which one of them had ordered the bins because I'm sure no one would send that as a baby gift. Like I'm so dead. (laughs) But anyway, that's really been my week in quarantine. 
And so NYC is now requiring mandatory quarantine for visitors from 34 states. I know I mentioned the two-week quarantine previously, but I always wondered how they would enforce that. So on Wednesday, our mayor announced a checkpoint program at key entry points along major bridges and tunnels where they'll be stopping random samplings of cars that are entering the five boroughs, the five boroughs that make up New York City. So that's the Bronx, Brooklyn, Manhattan, Queens and Staten Island for anyone that doesn't know that but if stop the drivers from one of those 34 states will be required to fill out a registration form to complete a two-week quarantine so on Thursday they plan to station teams at Penn Station and the Port Authority where they'll be conducting similar screenings it's not an optional quarantine so there are fines that are imposed if you are caught breaking the requirements and previously we had teams requiring incoming passengers to fill out traveler forms for contact tracing purposes at our three airports. But this is a little bit more in depth. And they also announced on Wednesday that 20% of new cases here in NYC are from out-of-state visitors. So they are checking by phone, and if they can't reach you, they have teams knock on your door. And also, a tropical storm came through last week on Tuesday that caused widespread outages in the area. At the height of the blackout, I think 300,000 people in New York alone were left without power, and officials have said it's the second worst storm to hit after Superstorm Sandy a few years back, and they're still working to restore power for people in New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. But now on to act one with my highlights for round 10, and hopefully the blowouts are behind us. In the Power vs. Bulldogs game, Robbie Gray was great in this game, but my favorite quarter was the third when Charlie Dixon kicked two goals and had this amazing one-handed grab, almost like a superhero and Elastigirl, where he stretched seemingly beyond his grasp and marked the ball in a pack of players, and it was highly contested. In the Tigers versus Lions game, Lions versus the Tigers, oh my gosh. So Shea Bolton was incredible in this game, but his second quarter 75 meter kick from like the center square for goal was insane. And I hope all the AFL newbies to the sport witnessed that magic. And in the fourth quarter, when Revolt kicked his fourth, there was a supporter in the stands dressed like the Tiger King and did a little Joe Exotic dance too, which was hilarious. So much more likable, I think, than the actual personality <laughs> he was portraying. In the Cats versus Kangaroos game, Magic Dawes' goal in the fourth, on top of that magical goal he kicked on his return to footy last week, I just love seeing him beaming on the field and watching him play. But sadly, Ben Brown actually went down pretty early on in the game after his return from last week and is injured now, so all the best to him. In the Crows versus Demons game, there were two memorable moments for me. Harley Bennell's snap goal in the third, and the other memorable moment for me was that sling tackle on Will Hamill. It was a full sling tackle, and it looked really bad, and he was concussed following that, and Alex has already been given four weeks for that dangerous tackle. In the Magpies versus Swans game, there were three moments, I think, from that. Trey Rusco, first of all, calling his mom before the game to let her know that he got called to play. Her reaction was priceless, but then he also kicked a goal during the game, which was amazing, but Fiona literally missed it, like his mother. (laughs) 
And then two, Josh Dacos with that checkside kick for goal, which really was like a deja vu moment if you've ever seen his dad, Peter Dacos. Sidebar, I guess some people refer to that kick as a banana, but that's like a totally different kick to me. So one of the most difficult things about learning footy is the different terms that I feel different states have when you're learning the game and the sport. But the other moment that I think is seared into all of our psyches was the Isaac Quainar injury. So after a tackle, he had to be stretchered off. And I don't even think everyone knew the extent of his injury. It just looked like maybe he hurt his leg, but the medic was kind of holding his leg together. And later on, if you saw the photo of the slice in his leg that was like eight inches long and deep, it looked like something you would see in the middle of an open surgery. So all the best with recovery there to Isaac. And in the Suns versus Saints game, the highlight for me was seeing the Battle of the King Twins. I know we've talked about them so much since that super strong 2018 draft that year, and they were highly regarded and both top 10 picks. So it was really great to see them playing against each other for the first time and Rankin with his impossible goal. And in the Bombers versus Giants game, my favorite moment, honestly, <laughs> was Fletchy. Dustin Fletcher, who I've talked about previously and is an Essendon and AFL legend, he was on the wall cheering squad for the club, which I absolutely loved. And I have to give it to the Giants for coming back from a pretty big deficit in the pouring rain too, nonetheless, for ending up taking that game and winning it. And I just have to say, the start of the current round, if you haven't seen the poor Adelaide versus Richmond game, that was one of the better games this season. I won't spoil anything yet, but definitely check it out if you're able. But what were your favorite moments from the round? And which game are you most looking forward to this week? AFL Footy Obsessed at Gmail and AFL Obsessed on Twitter if you want to chat. Okay, so it's intermission, so quickly during this time, let's just cut away to other sports. So the NBA hub has been going really well. I don't know if you've been watching the games, but no players have tested positive for the third consecutive week now, which is amazing. And I honestly think between that and footy, they're totally getting it right with protocols and procedures at the hubs, unlike other American sports. Sadly, though, Ben Simmons suffered a subluxation of the left kneecap on Wednesday when the 76ers played against the Washington Wizards, so he is out indefinitely for the season. And for hockey, the hockey returned with exhibition matches in Canada, and all the players actually stood for both national anthems. No one took a knee. I know you guys know how I feel about this. So regardless of the makeup of the players in that sport, the gesture is interpreted as the league and its stars refusing to acknowledge the racism and injustice that exists in hockey culture and the world. And it was actually heartwarming to see all of the fans standing in solidarity with Black Lives Matter by kneeling and posting onto social media photos of themselves kneeling in their homes. I think there's some work the league needs to do to make the game more open, accepting, and available to everyone, but that's just my own personal opinion. And now on to act two, and this week will be just a footy discussion centering around footy boots. I wanted to talk about an article that came out in July because I've always been fascinated by footy boots in general and accessories because I didn't grow up with the sport. 
So there was an article with a headline, AFL gives green light to a new footy boot technology, five clubs have shown interest, by Tom Morris for Fox Sports. And I was fascinated by the article when it came out, and I planned to research it more and talk about it because I really don't know that much about footy boots in general. So it was about this pinpoint kicking aid and it's new tech that the AFL hopes will improve or help to improve kicking accuracy. And it was developed by local footballers, Scott Ryan and Will Jesser, when they were trying to figure out why kicking efficiency at the elite level hasn't improved for years, especially from set shots. So they created a pinpoint kicking aid to counter pointy Sharon's and winter conditions, and it helps to level the playing field in regards to gripping and the grip pad on top of your boot. And they've said that it helps to improve your kicking efficiency without changing anything. You don't have to change your technique. It will reduce your margin for error. And this gives you the best possible chance at getting some purchase on the footy. And for my Americans, purchase in this sense, meaning grip, contact, and control. So five clubs, as I said, are already using it in their academies. Carlton, Hawthorne, Melbourne, Brisbane, and the Adelaide Crows Academy have it, so they're using it at training now. And at first, I thought it was a boot that will give you a false sense of accuracy of a kick, unless it's like, you know, adopted by everyone entirely in the league. And I assumed like in training, you know, you're supposed to make it as realistic as possible to help you during the game. So if there's something that makes it easier to kick, but then you end up playing with like a regular boot, your performance might actually suffer during the actual game because it's unusually hard and it's opposite to what you had been achieving in training. But it's not a boot, it's actually a pad and you can see videos of it in action on YouTube if you look up pinpoint kicking aid. And the prototype was kind of like a tire tube that was cut up by hand, but it's been refined since then. So on a completely different note, when we discuss Quainar's injury in the Collingwood game, I guess with the debutante wearing illegal boots, in the under 18s, footy clubs, that when they're playing, the umps check all their studs before play, but they don't do that at the professional level because it's just assumed that they won't be worn. And I know Nick Revolt has come out and said that, you know, no player is really going to know. There's typically someone on staff who will help you with that. But with the way that people have been stood down right now, there just isn't anyone at the clubs who's kind of accountable for that portion of it. But basically, there can't be any kind of like metal studs. And I'd love to know more about about boots in general, especially anything that's banned, because I'm assuming the metal studs, I mean, are they used for training? I don't understand personally their production value if they're banned and if no one can actually wear them basically when they are utilized. So if someone wants to explain that to me, feel free. (laughs) And now for the curtain call in the spotlight segment. I just wanted to throw some beams on Nicole Livingston, who is the CEO of AFLW. So AFL CEO Gil McLaughlin has said of Nicole, Nicole is a champion in every sense as an athlete, an administrator, and an advocate for women in sport. So a little about Nicole. She is a former competitive swimmer who competed for Australia in three Summer Olympics in 1988, 1992, and 1996, where she won both individual and team medals. 
and she held the Australian record for the 200-meter backstroke at the 92 Summer Olympics in Barcelona, and she held on to that record for 16 years. And Nicole retired from swimming after the 96 Olympics, which happened right here in Atlanta. And following retirement, she had a career as a TV sports commentator and media presenter, and also as a sports administrator. And she's been an expert commentator on the world sporting landscape for over 20 years. Obviously, Nicole is someone who, to me, is familiar with competitive sport and performing at the elite level as an individual and on a team, and she knows how to win. And she became the AFL head of women's football in November 2017, where she is responsible for managing the AFLW comp. Nicole's dream for AFLW is that it becomes genderless and not caught up in the tired debate About the male game versus the female game, she believes we're all athletes and that great footy is great footy. There are many passionate AFL people around the country, all wanting to see the AFLW find its place in the hearts and minds of Australians, and I look forward to connecting with them, is what she's said. Outside of footy, Nicole and her sister co-funded Ovarian Cancer Australia, and she's on the Swimming Australia board. And a really fun detail, I thought, was in the 2012 Olympics in London, Nicole and Bruce McAvaney provided the swimming commentary for the International Olympic Committee's English Language International feed. But here's some of her words about the state of the comp. In the football side of things, I've never seen an organisation, perhaps government and and politics is is parallel, but I've never seen um, an organisation like the AFL that is just open to criticism and critiquing it. I know it's the passion of of what it is, and that is tribal and and football, but, um, you know, it's a little like customer service. People don't remember the good things that are going on. They only focus on the bad things that are going on. So um, when I first joined the AFL, I had an impression that it was very much a boys' club, very very masculine. Um, We have 30% executive um, that are female at the AFL and um, we have a workforce and senior leadership um, right across the business that that is very female. So um, you don't have to have played men's football to be able to work in the sports industry. Um, You need to be a good operator and you need to be good at your job. So to see more females there, it actually makes it more comfortable for other females. From Olympic champion to female role model overall and a true champion in every way, we say encore, Nicole, and continue to break not legs but ground in the sport and country. So now it's the after show where I'm going to just add mini details since there's no wrap up this week. My pure class for the week I just love following along to Susan Alberti live tweeting games. I know she's our second ever spotlight segment from episode seven, Shinboner Spirit. But if you haven't been watching her and following along, that's just one of my favorite moments during the week. Magic Dawes goal, obviously, as I said, and Hurley just checking on his opponent in the game when they went down after a clash. He is all class. For a hard pass, I would have to say the whole Mitch Cleary event being stood down over the Brooke Cotchin Spa fiasco and gone Ben Brown, Trelore, and Cam Rayner injuries. For just Trash, definitely the Quainer injury and the sling tackle on young crow Will Hamill. And the Richmond team seeing maybe your tall package grabbing. So that's it for me. Thanks again for listening, rating, and subscribing, everyone. And thanks for hanging around for the show. Stay safe and healthy. Check on your friends and neighbors. We'll get through this like footy. 
I'm virtually hugging you and we'll talk footy soon.